I haven't said that for a year. Um, give me a thumbs up if you are smiling, though, all right? Just so I know that you're alive. Okay, that's good. I never know. I never know. I, to be total, totally honest, I never know if anyone's even asleep. Like, this is the year that if you're like a narcoleptic person, like, you just fall asleep everywhere, this is fine. I would never know. Um, every once in a while, just give me a thumbs up, and I know that you're tracking with me, all right? Uh, we're going to be in Mark chapter 6 today. Mark chapter 6. We're continuing our series on Mark and our mini-series in January on mission, uh, we've been talking about how the Christian life, like, just like we described in the Freddie video, Christian life, we often feel like, hey, we're, we should just chill out, uh, not do much of anything. That seems most natural to us. But in reality, biblically, it is unnatural. What is more natural biblically is to be on mission, to be moving on mission as God has created us. And we're going to continue to see that from Mark chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 7. This is God's word. And Jesus called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. This is God's word. Father, I pray that you would be with us, meet us in the preaching of your word today. God, help us, give us ears to hear what you want us to hear today in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, when I, a number of years ago, um, I joined the worship team here at church. And uh, I was a young musician. I was at, in my teens. You know, I'd never really played with a band before. And uh, one of the, 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 your favorite things as a musician is, you know, if you're playing the piano or something, when there's some space in between lines of singing, right? Because that's like your time to shine. Like the rest of the time, it's, you know, the vocalist, hey, great, whatever vocalist, you're doing great, whatever. But you're kind of waiting for that little pause or the turnaround or whatever, and then you just go to town. And, and I, I was learning to improvise, you know, and play in and around the melodies that were being sung. And I remember in one, one particular song, uh, we had a, a pastor who was a worship leader, and he was teaching me to play with the band. And, and so I remember, you know, in the turnaround, or there's a, there's a musical interlude, and I'm playing. And, and I remember him kind of looking at me, and, and because, you know, Singing is done. Here's the music part. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just like, I'm going off. I'm exploring new key signatures. I'm exploring new uh, uh, meters. And, and, and I remember him kind of saying, okay, um, hey, Ricky, just, just some input here. Um, we still need to be playing this song. Uh, this is the song we're doing. And so, and, and what I realized what he was saying, he said that with a smile, what I realized what he was saying is like, okay, this is the song we're trying to play. You're off playing some other song. You're, you're playing is not trying to play the song that we're all trying to play. You're, you're off on your own playing something else, right? And, and what we're talking about today is this big question of what is our mission as Christians? 
Because here's what happens so often. I think this year especially, all Christians will, will have things that they are passionate about, things that make them sort of come alive. And maybe for you in the last year, it's like, you know, uh, telling everybody on Facebook what they should be doing related to masks and safety and stuff. You're just like, yeah, you know, that's what I'm passionate about. Or maybe it's, it's a justice thing. Like, yeah, my thing is I'm going to tell everybody about this justice thing and how they're supposed to advocate. Or maybe it's a political thing. Or maybe it's, you know, oh, I don't know, so, something else. Everybody should be eating healthier in the pandemic, whatever it is. And, and what happens is if we're not careful, Christians can kind of show up in the church spiritually together, and you got one person that's going like, and the other person's over here going, you know, and, and everybody is playing their own song. And so the question today is, what is the song that we are trying to play, right? Jesus helps us by uniting people with very different interests, very different backgrounds, very different experiences, even very different defaults, and shows us this is what your life should be about. This is what you are called together to do. So here's the big idea today. Being a Christian, this is the song, all right? Being a Christian means giving our lives to declare and demonstrate the good news about Christ. That's the song. <laughs> the good news about Christ. Declaring that, demonstrating that, that is what we are here to do. So two uh, questions today. Again, the first, we're, we're already in, but I'm going to restate it, is what is the mission? Or put it another way, what is the song that we're trying to play? Now, here's what's interesting. In Mark chapter 6, when Jesus sends out his disciples to be about this mission he's given them, it is an all-encompassing mission. <laughs> Nobody's taken their hobby on this trip. There's one thing and one thing alone that they are doing as disciples. Now, that's interesting because in the first century, there was a lot of needs in the, in the world around them, right? If we think, hey, in 21st century America, we've got injustice, oh, let me introduce you to first century Roman Empire, right? With corrupt tax collectors that, that are just extorting people essentially for their own gain. Or you think, man, there's a lot of political strife in America in the 21st century. Like, yeah, political strife in the first century Rome, they just stabbed people, man. They just like assassinated people. It was crazy. Or you think there's poverty in 21st century America? I mean, there were people literally just dying in the street in first century Rome. And the problem is that, that we could wonder, that we, we see all these needs and we think, well, maybe that should be the song. Maybe that should be the focus. Maybe that should be the thing we give ourselves to. And I want to give you just one example of one of the disciples because I think it's so instructive for us when we think about this question, what is the mission? What is the song we're singing? And that is one of the disciples, one of the 12 here is Simon the Zealot. Now, one of the most interesting things about Simon the Zealot is that the most notable thing about him was not his relationship to his brother, like some of the other disciples, or his relationship even to his father. Uh, it was his political activist affiliation with the zealots. Now, zealot is where we get the word zealous, you know, in English, uh, or a zealot is somebody sold out for a cause. The zealots were a, a group of first century activists seeking the overthrow of the Roman government in Israel, okay? So this group 
is dedicated to overthrowing the shackles of the Roman government in that area. Now, there were no casual zealots. You weren't just kind of like, yeah, I'll show up to a meeting every once in a while. I'm kind of a zealot, you know? Or like, hey, your membership has lapsed, Fred. Like, oh, I'll go to another meeting to get it active again, you know? I gave my $20 dues. Now, the zealots were like meeting underground, plotting. Um, they were going into towns. They were standing on soapboxes. They were trying to rile people up. And some of these, these, these movements ended up becoming violent, uh, people taking up arms, people fighting in the streets. I mean, this, this is the group that Simon was part of. Now, the, the issue is this. Was the cause of the zealots all bad, right? You think Matthew, the tax collector, probably like 90% of his life that Jesus called him away from, not good, right? Not good. Don't do any of those things. None of them. No, just come follow me. But the zealot thing where you're like, well, look, what, what, you're trying to overthrow a corrupt empire. You're, you're trying to stand against injustice. You're, you're trying to free people. You're trying to take back the land that God gave his people. Like, is that bad? No, in some ways, it wasn't a bad cause, right? But Jesus, and this is the key, Jesus gave him a greater cause, okay? Simon became sold out and zealous, not simply for the overthrow of a bad king in Israel, but rather zealous for a new eternal king named Jesus who would rule and reign on the throne forever. Simon was won over progressively to thinking, okay, wait a minute. If I, even if I succeed, if I get an, a better king on the throne, get carrot out of there, get this guy up there, how long is that gonna last? A few years, 20 years? But if, man, if Jesus is king, if we put Jesus on the throne, he rules and reigns eternally, he's bringing his kingdom, like everything changes. And so, so what, what happens is the, the song of Simon's life, as it were, no longer was just, hey, freedom and, you know, promote freedom, stop injustice. That song found its expression in proclaiming Jesus the one who will ultimately end all injustice and the one who will ultimately bring freedom in a way that no one else on this earth can, right? You tracking that? Does that, does that make sense? So, so Simon became not just Simon the zealot, but Simon the Christ follower, Simon the Christ proclaimer. And one of, the, one of my concerns, guys, for us as Christians in this season is that we are feeling the pressure to take up other songs, even songs that might not be bad songs, and, and make that the melody that we're giving our lives to, make that the song we're, we're going all in on proclaiming and not seeing that we have a greater song, a, a, a better song to sing. Look, things like fulfilling your duty as a citizen are good, okay? Serving a jury duty, doing that justly, voting, trying to you know, go to a meeting to figure out who's going to be on the school board. Those are not bad things. Those, in many ways, are good things, but they will not save anyone's eternal soul, right? Seeking to promote uh, good things cannot be the ultimate aim of our life. 
because we are here to promote the best thing, which is the rule and reign of Jesus Christ that is broken into this world and offers sinners a chance for salvation, offers the hopeless a chance for hope, offers the broken a chance for restoration, right? That is the thing that we are here to proclaim. That's why Simon is, instead of marching into these towns and saying, let me tell you about the cause of activism, of zealotry, let's overthrow the Roman Empire. He's like, nah, man. Like, Simon, I thought you were, you were that guy pushing the zealots, right? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm pushing something else now, right? Weren't you trying to get the king off the throne? Oh, that's true, and he is. Let me tell you about a better king, right? This is what Simon is doing. So then what is the mission? What is the song he's there to proclaim? Well, we stated it last week, but I want to unpack it just a bit more today. It's, it's declaring and demonstrating the good news about Jesus, that is the cause. That is the song. Let's break that down. First, declaring. Now, when the disciples went into villages, Mark uses kind of a shorthand here. He says that they proclaim that people should repent. But Mark is basically using that to refer back to Jesus' call in Mark 1, that, where he said, hey, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What Jesus' message was is, hey, you're walking one direction. You need to repent, turn around, turn away from sin, and, and, be, and join the kingdom of God for, of which I am king, bringing this rule and reign into the earth today. So what were they declaring? Well, they would have been declaring, yep, people were sinners. They need to change. The way you're living your life is not working out for you. And then two things were key. First, Jesus as Savior, meaning Jesus offers salvation to the sinner, and Jesus is Lord. Jesus is worthy of all of your life's allegiance. And this is what's summed up in the New Testament as the gospel, the good news, right? This is what Simon is there to proclaim. And all of these disciples that had other things going on in their life, was it bad for Peter and his brother to be building a fishing business, to be successful and provide for their families? No, but they found a cause even greater than that. So here's the application. Every Christian, just like every apostle, here, every Christian is meant to declare the good news of Jesus, right? Apostle, that word literally means sent ones. Now, I'm not saying all of us are like the 12 apostles and we have all the authority of that. That's heresy um, and don't believe that. So, but this is what the New Testament teaches. Although the capital A apostles are the only sent ones in that sense, all Christians are to be sort of lowercase sent ones, all Christians are sent out with the good news of Jesus. And let me encourage you, one of the things, one of the best things you could do in the last few months, God willing, of this uh, time of restriction and quarantine is to spend time making sure you understand and can articulate the good news about Jesus. Uh, God willing, next month, Vince is actually going to do kind of a class on this for people, helping people learn how to build relationships with people who don't know Jesus and learn to talk about their faith in a meaningful way. But, but if you can't do that, man, get equipped to do that. This is the song that we're meant to sing, and make sure you sing it well. Next, not just declaring, but demonstrating, right? Jesus gives his disciples the authority to, to cast out demons and to anoint and heal the sick. This is in the pattern of what Jesus did, right? Jesus did not just come and proclaim a message. He demonstrated the reality of that message and demonstrated the reality of his kingship with his miracles. Now, 
please don't think that miracles are just these random things that Jesus did, that Jesus walked around and like, oh, this would be cool. You know, watch me levitate a table. Watch me do, you know. I mean, he, there's a million things he could have done. Why did he choose the specific miracles? Why did he choose to perform those? Because, as we'll see, they are demonstrations of him and his salvation and his kingdom. For example, you see a leper cleansed. That is a picture of a sinner stained by guilt that can be cleansed and restored and forgiven. Or you see a demoniac oppressed by demons that's freed, right? That's a picture of the, the spiritual bondage that all people are in and how Jesus frees people. Or you see a dead child restored to life is an illustration of Jesus bringing life from death, right? These are all demonstrations. And so Jesus gives the, uh, the disciples, as it were, authority and power to do those two pictures, right? The freeing from spiritual bondage and restoring back to health as, as, as demonstrations of the message they're proclaiming, right? So they're showing up and saying, there's a new king. His name is Jesus. His rule and reign are better than any other. And they're like, well, okay. And then the guy comes in with demons, he frees him, and, he go, and then they say, the kingdom is like this, freedom from spiritual bondage. Somebody gets prayed for. They go from sick to health, right? The kingdom is like this, restoration. That's what they are doing. So it is with us. Now, we don't have, again, the unique sort of apostolic power Jesus gave to these 12 but we still, across all the New Testament, have the call to demonstrate the reality of Jesus' king, kingship and salvation to those around us. Now, sometimes that is spectacular, right? We, we in our church, we've, we've prayed for people. They've been healed. It's been a testimony to the, the Lord and the power of the Lord as king and his kingdom coming into this world. We praise God for it. But more often, we demonstrate the kingdom of God in these unspectacular ways, right? Maybe today, when today's world, one of the most spectacular ways you can demonstrate the kingdom of God is by loving your enemies radically because nobody in our world's doing that, right? Or working hard even when you disagree with your boss, right? Because you're working for Jesus. You, 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 in other words, you're, you're with your life, you're, by, by parenting your kids in, in love, that's a picture of their heavenly father, or loving your spouse as Christ loved the church as a picture of the gospel, right? These are demonstrations of the reality of what Jesus, who Jesus is and what he has done. So that's the first question. What is the mission? Second question, how then do we move on mission? Well, let me, let me just say, no, sorry, let me wrap that up this way, okay? So the thing I needed to learn on this stage to play with the worship team, and the only reason uh, Joe let me keep playing on the band is I eventually learned the lesson. I eventually learned I can't be over here, even if I'm in the same key, wailing and playing my own song. And they're, you know, they're singing, amazing grace. And I'm over here, you know, that just lets like, no, that's a different song. But here's what happens. When you hit the harmony for the melody, right? When you hit a chord that underlies this beautiful song, right? It actually adds to the beauty of the song. You can just have one person singing unaccompanied and it's beautiful. But man, you add a guitar, you add the drums, you add another vocalist in harmony, you add a keyboard player playing parts. And, and if all of them are working together to promote this one melody, it is gorgeous, that is the task of our lives, right? 
in, in demonstrating the kingdom of God by, by promoting justice. Maybe your workplace, maybe you're a boss and you see injustice in your workplace and you're like, I'm going to fix this. We're not going to allow this. We're not going to allow these kinds of comments. That is a harmony to the melody of the gospel. Or you're over here and you're like, man, this is, this is wrong over here. You know, the way that people are talking about their spouses. I'm going to talk about my spouse this way. I'm going to promote something else. That's a beautiful harmony to the gospel melody. And in that way, I think we, we've, we begin to find, man, these other things that even can be good, right? Right political activism, right promotion of justice, right vocation, per, vocational pursuits, all of these things, if they are done as harmonies to the gospel, it's beautiful and it rings out. But when any one of them threatens everything and becomes like, no, this is the song, then we lose the melody altogether. All right, second then, how do we play this thing well then? How do we move on mission? Well, here's how to play well. Here's my notes for us as a congregational band today. First, we play with urgency. <laughs> now, the directions Jesus gives here about not taking extra money, not taking changes of clothes, they may seem weird, but one of the reasons they're there is they were to travel light. They were not to spend a lot of time picking their clothes out for the day, like, oh, I'm going to go proclaim the gospel in this city. Should I wear the blue or the red toga? I'm not, you know, I'm not my feeling. No, he's like, just have one, wear it, it's fine. Just go, right? With urgency. Why? Because Jesus is on the earth for this limited period of time, he, the urgency he's living with extends to the disciples. They are to, to speedily pursue the mission that God has gave them. And I think for all of us, we all, this is a word for all of us, we're all tempted to say, you know what, when I'm going to get more involved in gospel work when my kids are older, you know, when my job settles back down, when I'm, when I'm in this place, when I'm retired, when I'm, you know, when I'm this, when I'm married, what, whatever it is, we're all tempted. There's always another, when we get there, then I'll start moving with urgency. And Christ would call us, I think, to go now. Second, we pursue the mission with focus. Now, one of the practices of the ancient world that was kind of insidious is that teachers that would come into an area would sort of ascend the social ranks and they would, uh, they would maybe start out staying with one person, but then the, a richer person would see them and go, oh, I like this person. So they'd invite them to stay with their, at their house. And then maybe another richer person would above them, a governing official would say, why don't you come stay with me? And so they would kind of work their way up in housing up until the top, as high as they could get. And if you were staying with the biggest, wealthiest person in town, it's like, oh, they're the best teacher in town. Why? Because they're staying with that person, right? Jesus says, don't play those games. <laughs> you, you don't be checking out people's, you know, well, what, this person, tell me about your situation. You have an attached bathroom here? Okay, okay. You're like, you got a pool? Okay, well, let's, well, how big is the pool? What's it like? Is there some sun chairs? I mean, what's the food situation? Like, Jesus says, no, you just go, you stay with whoever you stay with, you get on the mission. Stay focused. And this is a word for us as well. Two things can distract us so often. The first is sin. So many times sin saps our strength and our focus that should be going to the kingdom of God and the things of God. I remember with grief, a pastor, a friend of mine, just remarked that, that he believes that in the last 30 years, we've lost a generation of missionaries, church planters, Christian business people, Christian entrepreneurs. We have lost a generation to the lure of pornography. That the, that the focus that we should be giving to the kingdom of God is being frittered away five, 10 minutes at a time and clouding our focus. We need to say no to the things of the world. And then God, one of the things we need to say no to is allowing even good things to replace the best things of life, right? 
Um, if you, if you, you know, watching a, a family movie with the family for family night is not a bad thing. I love it. Uh, my kids love family movie night. But if you're like Freddie the Moose and you're lost in a haze of donuts and Netflix cues, right? Uh, you're, you, you know, your floor is littered with, with donuts. Stop. I mean, you and Freddie, we'll get you in a recovery program. We'll get you back on mission this week. Contact the church office, all right? Third here, with weakness. We pursue the mission with weakness. Now, the disciples here are not a crack team of commandos. One commentator points out that these guys are a, a literal mess. They don't fully understand Jesus' teaching, uh, according to Mark chapter 4. They don't fully trust his will or his power to protect them, according to Mark 4.28. They're not sensitive to, the, to what Jesus' ministry priorities are, as we see in Matthew and Mark 5. Yet they're sent out anyway. And the commentator says this, our plea that we need more training is met by the simple observation that the disciples needed more training, much more training, yet they were sent out and were effective. Sometimes we just got to go. All right, next mark, with power. That weakness we feel is met with the power of Jesus. Now, in the first century, if you were a representative, say, of Caesar or of a king, say King Herod, if you were their representative, you weren't just a delivery person. You were given or endowed with the authority of the figure you represented. So if Herod sends you and says, hey, these people aren't paying their taxes, go tell them to pay their taxes, you went and you just didn't, you didn't say, oh, here's the message, uh, you want to pay taxes, okay, goodbye. Like you showed up and you're like, hear me, hear me. Herod demands his taxes. And they're like, but we don't have it. He's like, I don't want to hear excuses. Bring the money out now. Like you, you had the authority and to reject the messenger meant to reject the one who sent him. In the same way, Jesus sends out his disciples with his authority. Uh, not, not because these disciples cannot cast demons out because, you know, Peter uh, from Galilee is some spiritual warfare uh, magic person. They, they only cast demons out because Jesus gave them the authority. The same way with, with healing. None of them are physicians. They're not healing based on their knowledge or experience. They're healing with the word and power of Christ who's been given it to them. So, so here's a good thing. When we're on mission, we go in weakness, but we also go with power. And actually, we, we could say much more about the connection between those two things. The last thing here is we go with risk. The mission Jesus gives his disciples involves risk. They must be wholly dependent on God for their well-being, for their shelter, for their meals, for their protection, right? To be sent means to take on risk. It, Christian life should feel risky. If your Christian life never feels risky, may I submit that you may be doing it wrong. We, we in, this, in the middle of this pandemic, we, we, there's so many statistics and things about risk, right? Like the risk of this, risk of doing that, risk of this. And, and, and here's sort of, we developed into two extremes. One is all risk is bad, right? You never want to take any risk. Like, well, that's a, you know, the, leaving my house for two minutes to get the paper is risk. Is that a risk? It's possible. I mean, I don't know. Who knows what could happen between you and the paper? Um, they, and, and that's kind of one set. The other set is, you know what? 
whatever to all of this. We're going to take every risk, almost like a, a, a bizarre delight in doing risky things. Yeah, we're not supposed to do that. Well, that's what we're going to do. Like, and, and almost like assigning virtue to one or the other and saying, avoiding all risk and staying safe at all costs is Christian and right. Or taking every risk and skydiving while you're sharing the gospel without a parachute, hoping that the other person you're evangelizing will give you theirs, that's godly, right? You're just like, I don't think so. That just seems foolish, right? And, and so, so what, did, what do we learn in this passage? We learn that risk is right when done for the right reasons under the wisdom and direction of Jesus, <laughs> Right? There are times we're going to have to take risks, guys, um, in our lives. And, and we don't want to either grow enamored with taking risks in this pandemic or avoid all risks in this pandemic. We're rather to say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? Jesus is calling them to take these risks. Therefore, they are willing to follow, right? And let me just say this. It might feel like these are all scattered kind of pieces of advice, but let me just boil it down to this. What Jesus is calling his disciples to do is what he has done for them. What Jesus is, do, is calling them to do on mission is what he has modeled toward them on mission, right? So many of these marks, he came with urgency for them. He came with focus, saying no to distractions and sin and other things. He remained focused for them. He came in weakness, taking on human flesh, later humbling himself even to the point of death on a cross, and yet he also came with power, and he came at great risk. He, he risked everything. He laid down his life for these disciples. And so it's not as though Jesus is kind of pushing his disciples out front and saying, this is kind of scary, dangerous work. You do that. I don't want to, I'm going to stay over here. I'm going to have a sandwich. You guys let me know how it goes. No, he is out front leading them on. To use our illustration of running this month, he is running way out in front of them. And he calls them, hey, come on, let's go. Let's go. Stop sitting around. Let's go. Let's roll. All right? So let, let, me, let me close with this encouragement, okay? When we as a church unite around this mission of declaring and demonstrating the, the good news about Jesus, there is a power and unity that is unmatched in this world. Church, we live in a world in which everybody out there is playing a different song. And it's just a madhouse. But we as the people of God should always be singing one note. There was, a, was a, that one of the, uh, the merchants who was criticizing William Tyndale said this of him disparagingly. He's always singing one note, right? Perhaps disparagingly, it could be said of us as Christians. They're always singing one song, and they add different chords and different things. It all seems to be about Jesus, and we say, exactly. Would you stand and let's pray? Father, I pray that we as a church, Lord, in this, even at a time of division and difficulty in our world, that we would be a one-song congregation, that we would be one song families. God, that the, the, the desire to lift high the name of Jesus, to demonstrate and declare the good news about Jesus to a world that desperately needs it, God, may that be the predominant thing that we give our lives to. And I pray that we would do it faithfully, we would do it well, we would do it
following you. Lord, that we would be sent out on mission the way that you came to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, let's continue by singing in Christ alone. In Christ alone, our hope is found.